Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Lots of clubs spend. Lots of clubs try to make splash hires, try to bring in the right players. Doesn't always work, obviously. It did here. Mm. Now they have this. Now they win this title. How does this change a club? Well, I think it really changes Liverpool. I, I think they are now... Liberal Football Club is fully released. They're fully alive right now. And when I look back at the Premier League, almost 30 years of it, there's no question that the... The worldwide popularity of the league has helped the likes of Manchester United with their wins. It's helped the likes of Man particularly Manchester City and Chelsea of building their brands and being known around the world, selling the shirts, getting fans around the world. And it just feels like Liverpool never really benefited from that without a victory of the Premier League. I think that changes everything now, and I think that, in that increases revenue, notoriety around the world. And when you marry that to the ownership, and what they said on day one, Liam, was that this club needs and we want to increase revenues, we've seen that with the new stadium at Anfield, Rob. Mm -hmm. We know there's another st uh, stand going to be developed. They're going to get the capacity up to 61,000. You give that revenue and the, in the increased revenues from, from worldwide uh, interest... With a great manager, with a great director of football that we'll get into, mm. I tell you, th this changes the club and puts it, for me, on a whole new level. It's almost like, as he was talking, I'm thinking, like, the Premier League's like social media. It's like Liverpool weren't really on it. They, they couldn't benefit from, from what he does. <laughs> now they can. Now they're front and centre. And, and, and Rob makes a great point. And I want to just point to the ownership group. John Henry in, in the, the FSG group, because they came into the football club at, at 2010, October 2010. At that time, I know there's only seven games gone in, in the season, Liverpool were sitting 18th in the Premier League. Five years later, they appoint Jurgen Klopp. Five years later, they win the Premier League title. And, and where I want to just make a point of difference about this ownership is... For me, Rob, what they've done is they put the football club first mm. and the business second. And the business is going to come because of what they've done and how they've yeah, the done practices, it. Yeah. But they're an ownership group who are in sync, and I talked about the unique people of Liverpool, who are in sync with their fan group. And there's a couple of examples I just want to point to. The furlough situation when we went into COVID and they were going to furlough staff and get government assistance. That didn't go down well in the community. You know what? After a day, they put out a statement, said we were wrong, and we, we redressed that situation. About four years ago, 2016, just before redevelopment of the stadium, they said we're going to increase ticket prices. Liverpool fans didn't really like that. There was conversation, they changed again, they said, well, freeze ticket price. This is a, an ownership group who understands the people who support that football club. And, and that is, is a unique thing, because there's, there's many clubs in this league that that's not the case. So smart decisions, making the proper relationships mm. and keeping them, mm. and that leads to this point, and they yeah. get the title. But have those decisions, has this process 
giving you hope that not only are you at this point, but this is the team that can be here at this point. Yeah. Maybe not at this level, that separation between them and Man City, but yeah. they could beat at this level. Yeah, listen, good decisions are everything. And you started this with the recruitment and with the manager, with Michael Edwards. They, Michael Edwards became director of football at the same time, really, as Klopp uh, took over. And if you go down this list... I'll tell you what, I mean, Naby Keita towards the bottom there at $70 million has got more to do. But other than that, you, to win a title, you've got to have a great foundation and you've got to have difference makers. And there's stellar, spectacular signings on this list that nobody could have could have seen. Sadio Mane from Southampton, $40 million, was a good player. He's been a great player. Mo Salah, to score the amount of goals that he has done, there's your two difference makers right there. And the money, the big money was spent on the final real difference maker in Virgil van Dijk. You know, the recruitment, Rob, has mm. been absolutely fantastic. Everything I would say there, and Nambi is probably the only one, every player who's come to this football club has got better because mm -hmm. of the culture that Jurgen Klopp has built at the, at the football club. You, know, you try to make a comparison, but I look in Boston, there's obviously yeah. competition. There's the Patriots, there's the Celtics. While the Red Sox waited, the Celtics obviously had a ton of success. What does this moment mean to these fans? Well, there's two clubs in the city, blue of Everton, red of Liverpool. But for, to the red half of the city, this football club is their life. It, it is the pumping heart of the community of the football club. It's what brings people together. And when you go to Liverpool, and, and I've been there many times, it's unique. There's a unique personality, there's a unique dialect, there's a unique humour. And, and all those things come together so that the football club is represented by the people. It reflects the people. In some respects, Liverpool Football Club is the people of Liverpool. And, and that's why we're seeing scenes like this, because they've waited 30 years to celebrate in a way that this great institution can now say we have a Premier League title. Yeah, and also, Rob, you know... Uh... FC Barcelona over in Spain, you know, they have a tagline, more than a club. Now, I don't want to steal that tagline for Liverpool, but it does feel like Liverpool is more than a club to certainly the red half of Liverpool. And there's painful history, Rob, where, where I believe that's so. You know, you look back at the Hillsborough disaster when 96 Liverpool fans lost their lives. Mm. That's a long time ago. The club, the manager, the players at that time were so close to those families mm. and have been side by side over the last 30-odd years, to get some kind of justice just recently in the last few years. Another reason why, Liam, you're seeing the fans kind of paying back their appreciation of the club. And, and of course, this isn't, you know, these scenes are not what they're meant yeah. to be doing right now. All I would say is that when it is safe to do so, this manager and this team will celebrate properly uh, when they can. Yeah, you're, you know, it's an eruption of emotion. You don't see social distancing outside Anfield Thursday, mass celebrations in the city centre on Friday. Joint statement from Liverpool Football Club, the city's council, and Merseyside Police yesterday saying our city is still in a public health crisis and this behaviour is wholly unacceptable. When it's safe to do so, we'll work together to arrange a victory parade when everyone can come together and celebrate. We see them celebrating there. We talk about the deep connection to the city, but there's a yeah. global celebration as well. Yeah, when, when everybody can celebrate. There'll be people celebrating outside of Liverpool, outside of England. We've all got friends over here in the US who are Liverpool fans, who are almost having their moment through those fans there. I've worked with the Premier League and been abroad. I've been to China. I've been to India. I've been to Africa. There are loads of Liverpool fans all over the world who are sharing in, in this moment. And just remember our fan fest we've had. Yeah. And Liverpool fans singing, you'll never walk alone in tears. They're part of this celebration now.
Yeah, and, and this just might, this title, along with the Champions League and the World Club Cup, might just be the impetus, the push, to take them to the super mm -hmm. clubs of the European elite. And when you see those yep. money lists, those rich lists, Liverpool, I would think over the coming years, are going to get higher and higher on that. So Aston Villa, a team that spent money in the offseason, you know Dean Smith, there had to be expectations for this team, and here they are. 19th, six matches mm -hmm. to play. What didn't work? Well, today, attack didn't work, the strikers didn't work, and the system didn't work. And it does, does fall on the manager. You do want a manager to change the tactics to try and make something happen. I get that. But we're looking at the game, and into, like, the 80th minute, it's the same system that wasn't working. Anwar Al-Ghazi is the second most productive player on Man in, in Villa's squad, other than Jack, behind Jack Grealish. You've got to get him out there. Now, I know that he and Trezeguet played in the last game, and I know there's a lot of games in recent ga in days. Who cares? Now is emergency time for Aston Villa. And the striker situation, going back to the money, they spent, for this season, $200 million. $200 million on new talent, and only two strikers that, that totaled $39 million came in. That's the problem. A zillion players came in and very limited strikers. Mm. Strikers that we had no idea in Wesley, and he's been injured, which doesn't help, but he hasn't really done it. Davis was preferred from the start of this return, hasn't really done it. Uh, and Samata looked bright before the break, has not looked bright. That's where their problem is. Let me show you, Rob, a little cameo from the start of the second half. And, and, and I asked our, our, our guys behind just to clip this off. So on the left-hand side of the pitch, this is the start of the second half, Aston Villa players. They've been out a couple of minutes. Hands on hips, no real talking, everybody doing their own thing. Wolves come out, fitness coach working with them, activity, little sprints, getting yourself ready. Mentally and physically, Rob, getting ready for the second half. Now, I'm not saying that wins your games, Liam. I'm not saying that scores your goals, but that's attention to detail. And we saw Wolves play at a higher level and kick on in the second half. We saw Aston Villa, the team who were desperate for points, almost go backwards. And since the restart, that's really been the story for Wolves. They've been engaged. They've been mm. ready for the second half. Four goals since the restart, or all four of those goals have come mm. in the second half mm. of play. For now, though, let's head back to Villa Park and hear from Dean Smith. Well, Dean, you've just emerged from the tunnel. I'm not sure if you've spoken to the players yet, but I'm sure there are a few in there disappointed. How are the emotions after that defeat? Yeah, I mean, we're disappointed. It was a nothing game, wasn't it? I thought it was an average game. Um, Defence is on top. It looked like it was going to be a nil-nil. Um, you know, the sort of game that you probably expect if you're asking teams to play four games in 11 days. And you know, Injuries popped up and mistakes happened. Um, but I thought we more than matched a, a top-six team and were unfortunate to lose the game. You played two strikers today with Grealish in behind as well. Did you feel that you got enough from the front three? Um, I mean, it's, it's tough because not many teams have got much out of Wolves this season. So, you know, you're asking a front three to, you know, uh, get up against a, a back five who've done extremely well this season. Um, we need a little bit more quality in the final third, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know, I think we've probably had as many attempts as, as they have had today. But I don't think there was really any clear-cut chances apart from, you know, the one where Noyes ended up throwing it into the ground and uh, how to put it over the bar. Do you think that system, though, that approach is something you might stick with? Or do you think it's, you it's could build on that? Look at. I mean, listen, I said to you before, uh, we've, we've planned for the games. We knew what 10 games we had, had to play against. So, you know, uh, we were coming up with plans for, for each game. And, 
as I've said before, each game has you know gone the way I expected it in, in terms of uh, how it was played out. Um, you know, we certainly should have a lot more points on the board out of these four games um, because we haven't been bad in them. Um, you know, and the fact that we look solid defensively, uh, you know, but we haven't took our chances in these games. So it's disappointing because it was an opportunity today, and uh, you know, unfortunately they've scored. Raul Jimenez says this is a team that needs to dream big. You know their fans are definitely dreaming big right now. As you look at the top half of the table, Wolves jump over Manchester United into fifth, just two points back of Chelsea. When you consider the race for the Champions League, that five spot could be crucial depending on what happens in July with Manchester City. For now, though, let's get the thoughts of Nuno Espirito Santo. Well, Nuno, your team have done it for you once again. How pleased are you with that performance? I think we perform well in terms of organization, in terms of, 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 of staying in the game and controlling Villa the way they, they wanted to approach the game. I think we, we, we approached it really well, really well. Um, and then we didn't quite settle down in the beginning. Uh, the game takes a little bit of time, but the moment that we had a couple of possessions, I feel that the team get in the game, stayed in the game and, and started controlling better and creating chances. Um, that's what it was all about. He's a, he's a tough, tough opponent to play, to play. Very strong and talented players. You definitely have a winning formula since the restart, though. As you say, control the game, score goals in the second half. Simple as that. No, no. <laughs> honestly, everybody knows that in football you can plan, but after anything can change. So we have an idea. Today was, was about controlling the game because Fila has four midfielders, so much short possession, so it was about to, to getting tough and then opened them so allowed us to have, have possessions on the wide areas. When the goal came though it was nicely worked wasn't it? Yeah, nice yeah, move. Yeah. It was, it was um, balance creating superiorities on the, on the other side so we can finish in open spaces um, on the middle and on the box. I'm, I'm very happy for Leander, very happy because he's a hard worker and he deserves really this moment. He was our man of the match today as well, well and now well you'll deserved. be delighted to well have a little deserved. break. Well, yeah, it's good, uh, but uh, it's time to recover and prepare because next week we have three, three games in one week. It's going to be tough, and in this moment of the season, we have to, to attend that is demanding for the players. Leandro, well done. Great goal today. Another three points as well. This perfect restart for your club continues. That must feel good. Yeah, very good. Um, I just think uh, we, play, we played a good game again today. I think we controlled the most, most part of the game, so... Only in the end, it was last last ten minutes was quite hard, obviously because they were um, losing. So they, they they were trying to to attack and to, to score. But I think uh, we kept it really tight, and I don't think we gave away a lot. Um, I don't think we have in the, in the last three games. So I think that's something which is very important, and a lot of people forget that we don't concede a lot of goals in the last few games. And, um, that I think uh, that's uh, the merit of the whole team, and so yeah, very nice. Back to Watford, 16th place, one point clear of the danger. Six remaining Premier League fixtures, and it begins Saturday at Chelsea. Then mm. home against Norwich, a big match there. Newcastle United home, and then a match they have to circle. West Ham United away, and then it's Manchester City home away against Arsenal to finish things up. So we welcome you back inside the studio. Liam McHugh, Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl. Mm. You know the situation. Yeah. One point clear. Didn't see much from Watford in the first half. A little bit more effort in the second half. But you've now seen what's left. Mm. What do you make of their situation? Shocked. I've got to say, shocked. If I'm Nigel Pearson, I'm worried. 
I've always said of the bottom six teams down there, if I was in one of, one of the locker rooms, it'd be Watford. Because we're spirited, because we'll have a go, because we'll fight to the end. We've seen none of that. And when Andre Gray, their centre-forward, hosts a, a birthday gathering rather than is ready and prepared to do his bit for the team, we're banging trouble. So one of the group has let us down. Chalaba can't play, and there was another player who's involved who can't even play today. They've had to isolate. Mm -hmm. We are banging trouble when we've lost our spirit, and some players look like they don't really care. Yeah, club investigating players out for safety reasons. Mm. Talk about spirit. Any of the lack of the spirit, the fact that we don't have fans in these days. I know that we've sort of, at this point, we know yeah. it's everyone's dealing with it, yeah. but it felt like they needed a boost, they needed a spark. It wasn't there. It feels like the, the team struggling need their own fans to, to boost them. And when they don't get it, we're getting kind of pure football. This is pure. The better teams look better. Since the games that we've done since coming back, mm. Rob, I think, you know, whichever game, I'm, I'm sure there's ones that are outlying, but it looks like the teams that are higher in the league table at this point in the season are better. Yeah. Because you're not getting that boost from the home side. I mean, they were, they were better in the second half, much better. But Ben Foster makes that mistake. Yep. You go 2-0 down, it makes it really difficult. The worrying thing, to carry on Rob's point, Burnley and Southampton, they've lost both of those games. They didn't really have much to play for, those two teams. Mm. So that's why you'd think that the spirit comes in. With Bournemouth and West Ham, we, mm. we'd comment that they don't look like they've got much yeah. kind of fight in them. We thought Watford did. <sighs> They've got, they've got a job on the standard division. Credit to Southampton, because we've got to yeah, do that as well, and Danny Ings is a difference maker. But we spoke on, on our podcast about... We, we saw... Uh, I think Rebecca sat down with Nigel Pearson, and we thought he was a bit negative, wasn't he? And, and obviously, uh, oh, Troy Deeney... About the whole virus. Troy Deeney was very cautious about coming back. And we said at the time, didn't we, wonder does this have an effect? Does how things happen during that lockdown period have an effect on once we get back to Project Restart? With Watford, you'd probably have to say it has. Mm. Yep, anxiety off the pitch. And now a little anxiety for the team as they are just one point clear, six games to go. Let's hear from Nigel Pearson. Nigel, over to you. How do you assess that performance today? Well, we were second best for too long. And um, again, in the, in the second half, though, we, we started again brightly, but you can't concede goals like the, like the give, you know, give gifts to the, your opponents. And that, um, you know, it, it, it makes the job even harder. So we've got to get back to doing what we've been very good at for long periods, and that is to, to show a cohesion as a group of people who can actually find the answers on the pitch. But at the moment, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because we are not achieving the types of performances that we know we're capable of doing. Was it also frustrating not just to concede the, the second goal in the manner that he conceded it, but the timing of it, as you said, after a good start? Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, started the second half a lot better and uh, put them under some, under some strain, yeah. And... Um, but, yeah, it's it, to concede at that time, uh, to get a goal back and then concede another. I mean, you, we just give ourselves too much to do, for sure. There they're a, a good team. There is a break. There is, there is some time now, six days before your next game. After today's performance, what are these areas that you feel you've got to work on? Well, I've already spoken about it. it it's, it's, about it's about us approaching games with the... Um, a positive intent, a positive mindset, and probably showing a bit more for support for each other out on the pitch. So um, it's one of those things where the players aren't aren't happy themselves with with uh, with performances, and, and I think today, yeah, we, we played against a side who were 
pretty efficient um, and we didn't cope with their threats well enough and too many players again who were below par so put those things together and it makes it difficult for yourselves to to find the types of performances that we need to get results. How important is it now to almost forget what happened today and just move on? No, you can't forget it. You draw a line under it and make sure that um, the messages from today, we, we have we have games left in which uh, it's in our own hands to make sure that we assure uh, our future in the Premier League. And that's really what it's about. Nobody else is going to do it for us. We've got to do it ourselves. Technically, Southampton responsible for all, all four goals. Danny Ings gets two of them now all alone in second with 18 goals on his magnificent season, just one back of Jamie Vardy. No player from Southampton has won the golden boot in the Premier League. Same goes for Leicester as well. But right now, let's hear from Danny Ings. Well, Danny, congratulations. A brilliant performance from you and your team. Uh, how do you look at it now that you've finished off? I know you look a bit tired, don't you? Yeah, it was a, it was a physical battle. I mean, we were watching videos of their last game and we kind of knew what we were in for. And uh, I felt that I was really fought well for the second balls today. Um, and then we, when we got on the ball, we had enough quality to create chances and score goals, which... You know, we didn't have too much in the last game, so it was good to put that right. Speaking of which, how much did you enjoy that first goal? Yeah, it was it was nice. You know, I, I really love cutting in from the left and finding that far corner. Um, you know, we watched, as I said, we watched clips and the spaces were in, you know, the number 10 position in there, so it gave me gave me a chance to drop in a little bit deeper, pick it up and get the defenders. And a bit of the, a bit of a gift for your second as well? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a gift. Um, you know, I just shifted the ball and, and kind of aimed for that far corner and it, and it went in. This is the reaction I imagine that your your boss Ralph was looking for after the Arsenal match. Yeah, exactly that. Um, you know, after the last game, he was very disappointed. Really, um, you know, we, especially first half, he wasn't really at it. We got our pressing wrong, and um, it was important that we came here today and you know did something about that. And I thought the lads were fantastic. Um, you know, we knew it was going to be quite a direct game, and you know our centre half were unbelievable in the air, and you know winning second balls, and you know it got us to win. I imagine as a team it's important obviously to work towards that mathematical safe barrier as well, but but for you individually, are your aims anything to do with a golden boot? Well, to be honest, no. Um, you know, I just want to play each game and score as many goals as I can for, for the team and, you know, it's unfortunate enough to be up and around it now and, you know, hopefully I can keep building on that and score some more. Two goals for Danny Ings as well, one slightly easier than the other one, but the, the first one that he scored, a brilliant individual goal. What did you make of that one? Yeah, it's really uh, outstanding performance from his uh, from him. Uh, around the box, he is uh, unbelievable. When you get a chance there to shoot, then it's always dangerous for every goalkeeper. And yeah, he has a fantastic finish, we know this, and he's getting better and better, and this is fantastic for us. We know that you're not mathematically safe, but how far does this win go? And, not just the three points, but also the performance and the reaction that you saw today. When you know where we are coming from, uh, from uh, a very, very difficult autumn, and where we are now with 40 points, uh, still six rounds to go, I think. Uh, and it's amazing, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, we are, we are very happy to be now in a, in a safe position. Ben, uh, first of all, just tell us how difficult was it out there today? 
It, it's, it's the same as normal, really. You know, we're, I think we're sort of fairly used to it now. Um, I think we're struggling to start games at the minute. You know, we've, the three games that we've played, we've, we've been very slow starters, and today was no different. We knew what we were going to get from Southampton, the, the front two especially. They worked tirelessly, and they didn't give us a second's breath. And, you know, they got the early goal, and they, they, were, they looked in control in the first half, and it was a poor showing from us, really. Um, but we came out second half, and I thought we were the team that looked like we were going to score a goal, and I got well my hands up. It was a poor throw for me, really poor throw, because... It's a time in a game when we're on top, we're looking to score, and it really does take the, the wind out of our sails. And so I think that was a, a pivotal point in the game. Um, if we could have you know, ridden that storm a little bit, I think we, we would have probably nicked something. Is it mentally draining as well in the position that you're in at the moment? And like you say, with no fans and all the situation being so different. I wouldn't say it's mentally draining. I just think it's a bit sort of... Uh, I think the problem is anxiety at the minute, you know. I think it's the same for the three, four, five teams that are down there. Everybody's just so scared of um, of what they do. You know, they go on the pitch, stuff just don't come normal and natural to you. You know, you're thinking about things way too much. And I think that's when you're struggling, you know. If you can learn to, to block all that out and just play your game like you would in a training session on a Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, you'll be sweet. But um, no, it is what it is. And, you know, we have to like I say, as a team, look at ourselves and, and get on top of that. Welcome in studio, everyone. Ahmed Farid here with my two good buddies, Kyle Martino and Robbie Musto. Robbie, some people describe Burnley's play as grinding, not, not very fun to watch, but it's winning football. They have 13 wins now. The only teams with more wins than Burnley are those top four teams in the Premier League. Yeah, and we should give credit to Sean Dyche and Burnley. Again, that's back-to-back -back wins. Most of their attacking talent was out. They're grooved. They've got, a, they've got an organisation that every player that plays kind of knows what they're all about. Even the last 20 minutes or so, they change the system. Back to defending. Ben Mee has the one moment of determination in the whole game with his header that scores the goal, and then they defended really, really well. Crystal Palace wasted the first 45 minutes. More urgency. You know, much better in the second half about driving at the game and then the last 20 minutes because they're behind... You need that earlier on, so that will be the lesson from Palace. Show that kind of determination from the first whistle, not in the second half, and you might do better and you might be able to claw back a goal that they conceded from the set piece. What do you think, Kyle? Well, let's go back to what we were talking about before the show, about Sean Dyche now being in the news in a dramatic sense, where he rarely is and, and, and fights with the chairman, or is he going to stay at the football club? If you look at the table, and you mentioned the top four are the only clubs that have more wins, they're, they're, they're right now, level on points with Spurs, above Arsenal, above Everton. Teams that have spent, mm. I mean, eye-watering, egregious amounts of money have not been able to do, forget what it looks like, the aesthetics and all of that, what, what Sean Dyche has done regularly with this football club. Yeah. And so you know why he's angry. He's angry because he just he doesn't have enough players to put on the bench to make all the subs that he wants to be able to make, still puts out a performance. I guess the cliche is the best thing we can say for a manager is do players want to play for him? Mm -hmm. Forget other things. It's clear that players want to play for Sean Dyche. Yeah, and the character of the players is really strong, isn't it? He only goes for certain type of players. He said in his press conference, $10 million he spent over his seven and a half years on average net spend per season. That's nothing. Nothing considering some of the other teams that Carl just talked about. And for them to be sat in eighth place, it's pretty special. That won't buy you a third-string goalkeeper at yeah. <laughs> We thought one goal may win this one today. Ben Mee, who has played every minute of all 32 Premier League games for Burnley, scored his first goal of the year. We're going to hear from him. But first, their manager, Sean Dyche. Sean, what were your overall thoughts on that Burnley performance? Well, obviously, pleased with the outcome. Um, I thought first half we were excellent, uh, kept the ball well, kept probing. Obviously, 
um, different kind of team tonight. We haven't got the same physicality up front, so we had to use the ball better, and I thought we did. Um, second half, they come out a bit stronger and got on the front foot a little bit. Knocks out of our stride, and we unfortunately lost uh, Jack Court, which changed the feel of the, the performance, really. But then we've adapted to that with the shape, and I thought we saw the through, uh, game through well. A brave header from your captain, Ben Mee, tonight. What did you make of that goal? Well, he's a fantastic captain. We spoke about that before the game, and uh, we know his, his uh, ability and his strength in the air, but also his demand on himself to win them sort of challenges. A brilliant header. And he did a brilliant header at the end as well, but that's just as important to clear one which could have gone in, you know, not, not necessarily on the line, but in a very dangerous position. But, you know, we've got a group who give everything, and I think you saw that again tonight. Up to eighth in the table, what have you made of the progress of Burnley since January? Well, considerable, you know, when you think uh, before lockdown, I think the 100 days from the start of lockdown to the end, I would say the dynamic of the club has changed somewhat. So that's been interesting uh, to, to compute and to make sense of. But I think you saw a group tonight fully motivated, as are I. You know, we'd, we've got a group here who never go under, um, that's for sure. And there's young players here who are getting a view of what it means to play for Burnley Football Club. You talk about that environment, and there have been rumours of a rift between yourself and, and the owners. How are you feeling about that going forward with such a, a season end that's tournament-style football and then trying to eye up a new season as well? I'm feeling about the same as I always do. I'll be working hard. I think you saw me committed on the, the last game on this game and you saw a team full of commitment towards uh, playing for Burnley Football Club. Ben, a very rare goal from you on your 300th league appearance as well. Was this feeling like your night? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we're coming to the game, uh, depleted squad and... I think we've got one senior boy on the bench and you know to, to play like we did the character shows our togetherness we worked hard and yeah to get the goals was nice I've had chances and you know, I've had them cleared off the line of you know of keepers good saves and it's nice to, to finally get one in. Did you make an early decision that you were going to go for that header? Um, it was actually it wasn't a great ball from Westy it wasn't what we worked on but um, yeah so I just got to try and make the best of it and, and managed to get in front of uh, the defender and yeah got a good, a good connection on it and yeah thankfully it went. It's been quite the week for you what has your reaction been to the interview that you gave at Manchester City and all of the pickup of that this last seven days? Yeah I mean it's nice to come in and speak about football but you know I've been humbled by the by the response from the from the interview um, for sure and you know, it's it's nice to hear, hear people. We've had a lot of emails towards the club, which have been passed on, which have read, and, and you know, it's nice to hear. And you know, it, it was a it wasn't a great night for us, um, but you know, we've responded really well as, as we can, and and uh, to go and get a win and to put that all behind us and get two wins as well on the bounce. It's never easy in the Premier League, you know. Never mind, you know, what, what we're up against. Um, but no, I've been humbled by the response, and and uh, you know, we want to move forward and, and make that change that we can. Finally, you mentioned that young bench that you've got inexperience as well in the Premier League as captain looking now going forward is it all about this togetherness with the shortness of squad um, it has to be hopefully we get can get some some bodies back but the young boys have come in train really well with us so um, you know they'll be delighted to, to be on the bench and, and to be getting involved with the first team it's a great chance for them and and to see what what we're about as well and you know you look at the lads working hard as we do and and it's a great experience for them to come and to come see how it is and, and uh, how, how they need to, to work to, to get into this team. So, you know, we don't complain. We, you know, we get our heads down and we work hard and, and it showed today we, we played fantastic, I thought. Thank you very much, Ben, and congratulations you. on your goal. Thank you. In a lot of ways, a disappointing performance from Crystal Palace. They had Zaha in the lineup, the healthier squad than Burnley, but they go down 1-0 the final score. We're going to hear from their manager, Roy Hodgson, in just a moment. But first, here is Luka Milivojevic. Luca, what have you all said following that performance tonight in the dressing room? You know, it was not the best uh, night for us. Honestly, 
if you go through game, first half they surprised us with the way how they started the game. We expect uh, more, more direct football from them. So uh, second half was much better from from uh, from us. We moved the ball much quicker than first half. Uh, we push a lot. We create some chances. I think in the end we didn't deserve to, to lose the game, but what we can do, that's the football. They were very difficult to break down. In the second half, you had a lot of possession, 74%. Is it a shame that you didn't get to do much more with that? Was there more needed in the final third? You know, uh, much better, as I said, was in second half, even with possession, even with, with, uh, yeah, with moving the ball. We move the ball forward. We, we take two touches in our passes. So. We expect more. We expect to create maybe more chances. But you know, uh, they're the team when they when they are sitting down, they feel so comfortable. I think they come first time in our box in second half. They scored the goal after after free kick. Uh, as I said, we push, we try until the end. Uh, we had two, I think, quite good chances, so we didn't score. And in the end, as I said, in my opinion, we didn't deserve to lose. But we have as well give credit to them. We have to turn to the next one and uh, try to correct things from this one. Your first match back at Selhurst Park since March the 7th. Did you miss the home crowd, especially towards the end of that game? We miss a lot of crowds tonight, especially when we concede. Uh, you know, when we create chances, uh, we have the loudest fans in the league, I think. So we miss them a lot. We need that energy uh, from them because, you know, when you have... When you're around their box and when you are trying to move the ball and create chances and when you miss, for example, the chance, they take a lot of time to, to put the ball again in the game. So, you know, this, the, the atmosphere becomes so lethargic, in my opinion. You know, everything they take for 20 seconds uh, to, to get the ball back and, you know, everything is so quiet. I think, you know, for everyone is the same. But from my point of view, uh, for us, it's very difficult to play without our fans. Uh, Roy, do you think you maybe deserve to get something out of that in the end? Well, I thought they played very well in the first half. Burnley, and I think that had we got in at half-time a goal to kneel down, I don't think we could have had too many complaints. But I think we were a little bit unlucky in the second half that you know, we, we controlled the game much better, we passed the ball better, and we asked a lot more questions. And of course, they scored from... a from a set play, which I wasn't expecting them actually to score from on, on that occasion. But it was always going to be a tight game. You know, both teams defended well and worked very hard. So I think it was always going to be one of those games where if a team got 1-0 in front, they'd have a great chance of taking the three points. And they got that goal and it left us really chasing the equaliser. I can't fault the players' efforts in terms of chasing the equaliser. We even created a few occasions where we could have got the equaliser, but we didn't, so all you can do is accept that and uh, move on to the next game and feel a little bit sorry for yourself. They'll look at it as a great goal, a brave header. Bad goal to concede from your point of view, though? Well, all goals are, but we were a little bit unlucky because we'd taken Czech Kiarte off and he was going to be defending in that position where their Vidra uh, got in front of James McCarthy. Um, so that's a little bit unfortunate maybe if Checo hadn't come off at half time but that's my fault because I made that decision to change him at half time so it's my responsibility but we could have defended it better of course and under normal circumstances we've got a first class goalkeeper and he normally manages to palm those away on this occasion he didn't yeah, I was going to say it's been great for you all season but could he have maybe done a little bit better with that goal 
Well, a lot of players could have done a lot better in a lot of, in a lot of circumstances today. So certainly one wouldn't want to put the defeat down to a particular goalkeeping. I think, think in the first half, the quality of our passing and movement was nowhere near as good as it should be. So we wasted 45 minutes. <laughs> in the second half, we managed to find that. And by that time, you know, we were looking much more likely in terms of winning the game. But when you go a goal to kneel down against a team like Burnley, or any team in this league for that matter, they know how to defend it. They work very, very hard. And you know that you're not going to create an enormous amount of chances and you've just got to hope that the, any chance that comes your way, you take. You had 70% possession at times in the second half, so it was just that final ball, that lack of cutting edge that cost mm. you? Well, possession doesn't win your games, does it? You know, I know that people like to think that and <laughs> they take comfort from the fact that they've had 70% possession, but you know, you can have 95% possession, but if you don't score a goal and the other team score a goal with their 5%, that's what decides the game, so... Games aren't won by possession. It depends where the possession is. But certainly we were very positive in our play. We didn't have possession in our half of the field. We had possession in the midfield and up front, which is where it needs to be, which should give you a chance to score some goals. But um, today we didn't get that goal, and as a result we, we stare defeat in the face. And just finally, I know everyone's without their home fans, but is it especially felt here when you have such a special atmosphere at Selhurst Park when you play here? Everyone feels that, so I think it would be a massive mistake in a game like today to start suggesting it's all because we're playing behind closed doors. All matches are behind closed doors. All teams have the same, the same problem, if it is a problem to deal with, in the sense they don't get the support of the home fans. But I must say that I can't imagine, even with you know, 25,000 fans cheering us on, we could have done a lot more than we did in the second half, or a lot more than we did after conceding the first goal to try and get the equaliser. So I feel sorry for the fans that they can't be here and, of course, we miss them. But I, I certainly wouldn't want to suggest that that was the, the reason why we lost the game by a goal tonight. Thank you, Roy. My pleasure. Thank you. Welcome you back inside the studio. Liam Hugh, Kyle Martino, Robbie Earl. Going to Manchester United, and we started this day talking about all the excitement surrounding this team and how exciting things potentially mm. could be next season. At this point, if you're a Manchester United supporter, mm. how are you feeling? You're feeling pretty good because since we, since Alex Ferguson left uh, the football club, and since we've had the rights here on NBC, we, we've we've had different versions of Manchester United, and we've seen versions under Jose Mourinho and Louis Van Gaal that, that maybe won silverware, but we're not that exciting. This version is up there with the best we've seen since the great man's gone. And, and that's not to say there's not work to do. But you start to look at some of the relationships between players, some of the potential within the team, the, the ability to counter-attack, the hunger to win the ball back. There's lots of good elements that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got in this team. And they kind of got this ominous shadow now over Chelsea and over Leicester because they've got a momentum going. I heard you talking about Manchester United yesterday, maybe searching for an identity, closer to that identity. You know, what's interesting is, is Robbie Musto and I were talking about how um, they, had a, they had a very clear identity under Louis van Gaal, and it was frustrating. It, mm. it was an anthema to what Manchester United used to be. It was not, not taking risk. It was slow. It was way too methodical. It was robotic. And then Jose Mourinho's was chaotic at times, but brought a little bit of that verve back, but they lacked an identity when they needed to break down a team. And what we were saying is it, it's taken some time, I think, for only Gunnar Solskjaer to learn what he has to try and install something. And we were so impressed with, and we talked a lot mm -hmm. watching the 
tactical camera was there was such a clear intention to who they wanted to be today. Mm. And now the right ingredients, the right culture, they're going to start looking comfortable again in that role. They're starting to develop an identity. It's under like it. he looks like a Manchester United manager now. And finally, this team is starting to play like a Manchester United team. So as Manchester United chase a Champions League spot, you look at their remaining fixtures here. We can call it the most difficult road to end the season. Bournemouth, then at Aston Villa, home to Southampton, at Crystal Palace, home to West Ham. And then what could be potentially a very big head-to-head game to finish things up at Leicester City on July 26th. For now, though, let's head back to the Amex and get the post-match thoughts from Bruno Fernandes. Bruno, congratulations. Did that feel like the complete performance from Manchester United tonight? Yeah, I think it's not important if it's complete or not. Most important is the three points. We do a good game. I think we play well. The result is is good. It's better because we we don't concede goals again, and for us it's really important because we deserve and our defenders because are the guys who are in the, in the back and also Davi doing an amazing job today. You have to three, two or three saves in the end was amazing. So we are we are really happy. Two goals up in the first half an hour was that just reward for a really really positive start to this game? Yeah, we know we know after after the last game we play a lot of time in the last game. So we know we need to to come on the game, and the first minutes will be important for us because we are fresh. We need to give, uh, we need to push uh, forward to try to to score, and uh, and after doing doing our game, being with the ball, having time with the ball also to to doing doing what what we're training. You had a little bit of good luck on the first goal with a deflection, but Bruno, how special was that second goal? Both the build-up and the execution. So I was lucky in the first goal, but also the keeper was lucky in my first shot. The ball take the post, so I think he's, <laughs> I'm happy. So it was amazing, but it was a good job from from Paul in in the first goal. The ball come back for me. He knows I will be there to to shoot. And uh, the second goal was an amazing assist from uh, Mason. Uh, amazing pass, and I, I do a good shot. Of course, I'm really happy for my goals, but I'm more happy for the result because uh, the team deserves this, and we are fighting for the place in uh, Champions League. And we know you can, uh, we can achieve this, uh, this, this. We want to to be in the first first places to be in the Champions League next year. You mentioned your combination with Paul on that first goal. Just how excited are you, Bruno, by the prospect of forging a midfield relationship with him? Oh, of course, uh, Paul is an amazing player, but uh, I don't want to talk too much about me and Paul because he's, he's not fair enough for the other uh, other players, or other teammates. I think Paul think in the same way. We are really happy when we play together, of course, but I'm happy to play with uh, everyone. Of course, Paul has such good qualities and we know he's... Uh, so much important for us, and uh, I think um, we, we can we can combine together. We have we have qualities, and uh, and we can play together. But also we know we have some uh, teammates who can do very well when when we are out or when we play with the other one. And uh, I think it's not fair enough for the other guys if we talk just about me and uh, and Paul because Fred and Scotty they do an amazing job before the before the stop. Uh, Nemanja is, is a guy who's doing it uh, very well. And also Andreas and Jesse, who can play number 10 or Juan, they have such a good qualities and they give to a lot for the 
for the team and uh, I think he's, he's not good enough, he's not fair enough to play and talk about me and Paul. He's, he's a, we are a team, we, we're training together, they, they push me to do, to do better, they push Paul to do better, I push Paul, Paul push me, so I think uh, at the end is uh, a, a teamwork. Bruno, well said, very well played tonight. Thank you. Worth updating, since his debut for Man United in February, Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved now in 10 goals in all competitions, more than any other Premier League player. Let's go back to the Amex and hear from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Well, Ole, an excellent three points for you, but when you watch a performance like that, do you, do you sense at 15 unbeaten and the way the team played tonight a, a momentum and, and confidence about your team? Yeah, they, they shouldn't. They they have reason to be confident because they played fantastic lately, and before the lockdown as well, we did uh, did some uh, good stuff. So, if the players don't go onto the pitch now with confidence, uh, I don't think they ever will. And there's also quality in that team. Of course, we got um, players fit now and uh, good competition for places. Did you did you sense um, the players coming on towards the end of the lockdown? You know, have you? not been surprised by the way that they've picked up and carried on? Oh, we didn't uh, want it to stop, of course, when, uh, when the lockdown started, because we were in great form. Uh, but we made, uh, we had a good meeting uh, the last day there uh, about making this lockdown work for us and be the best over the uh, lockdown. And I think it's, it's proven both on and off the pitch that uh, they've uh, done really well. One of the players who looks as if he used the time pretty well was, was Mason Greenwood. He's yeah. made a couple of starts since for you. Yeah. I mean, he's maturing very quickly, isn't he? That was a lovely finish. Yeah, great finish. We know we can score goals like this, but his general hold-up play as well, his physical, he's getting stronger. I think the lockdown helped him. Uh, you know, when you're, uh, you're a young kid and you work at the intensity he's been doing uh, it's been taking a toll on his body but the, the lockdown uh, gave him time to fill out and I think you can see the benefit from it so uh, he'll be uh, exciting to follow uh, will we'll help him improve. However good the team play is you, you need game changers don't yeah. you at the top level and you, you've really got one haven't you in Bruno Fernandes? I've got more than one <laughs> so yeah we've got some top players and Bruno's come in and been fantastic he's changed uh, He's not changed it, but he's brought the mentality with him, that winning mentality, and 99% uh, is not good enough. It has to be 100%, and today he gets his reward with two goals. You've got half a dozen matches left in the Premier League, still in two cup competitions. Opportunity beckons, doesn't it, for Manchester United now? As long as we focus on the next game, just do the right things. Um, the boys know that if they perform like this, we're, we're hard to beat, so just take one game at a time. Brighton suffered their first defeat since the restart. Let's head back there and hear from Graham Potter. Graham, commiserations. In the end, was this a game that got away from you in that first 30 minutes? Well, I think we played against a really good side tonight, to be honest. Uh, congratulations to Manchester United. They were the better team. Uh, I thought they had some real good quality. We stuck at it. We, um, I thought our response second half especially was really, really good. Um, Maybe deserved a goal, but overall, yeah, the, the, the better team won. Um, but I'm really, really proud of the response of the players, um, how they stuck at it, how they, you know, kept going in the game, and we'll take the positives from the game onto onto Saturday. You made two changes at half-time. You changed the shape of the side. At that stage, how did you see a way back into this game? How did you feel you could find a way back? Well, we um, we we put Leo and Neil on. Um, uh, 
Davey was feeling a little bit tight in his calf. Um, it was a tough one for, for Taddy. We tried to use his pace, but we couldn't really get him um, high enough. But um, we just wanted to maybe step on the game a little bit. I thought we started the second half really well, and then it just got killed on the counter-attack for the third goal, which is the killer goal. But overall, the second half, I thought it was... Um, was good from our perspective. We had some good opportunities, some good play. Um, uh, against Manchester United, you're always on the stretch, um, and, and they've got when the space is there, they've got some talented footballers. So, you know that. So it's a, a tough evening for us, but one we'll um, take a lot from, and we'll, we'll, we'll improve for it. In the first half, did you feel you needed to see more? from your team or do you just give credit to United for the way they approach this one today? Well, of course, we, we always look at ourselves to try and improve, but at the same time, there's a really good opposition on the pitch and I think that's fair. They're as good as anybody we've played this year from, from our perspective. So, um, it was difficult. They, they've got good width, they've got good movement in the front players, they can control the game in the middle of the pitch, the build-up was good. So, it's hard to, hard to contain. But, um, yeah, like I said, we, we, didn't, we didn't go under, we carried on. And um, second half especially was, was a, a positive performance for us. Having made a positive start overall to the restart, Graham, do you feel tonight serves as a, if you like, a reminder of just how much work is still to be done to get the results you need? No, we don't need any reminders. We knew before the game, we know where we're at. We know um, the fight that we've got uh, doesn't change anything from our perspective. Um, we go into Norwich ready to fight. They know where they're at. They know the fight ahead. Here's the remaining fixtures. You look at Norwich on Saturday. Liverpool, Manchester City, both those at home. And then at Southampton, home to Newcastle, at Burnley to finish. Okay, six fixtures. Do you look at this if you're Graham Potter? Hmm. One match schedule. Is this a one-match schedule to safety? In some respects, but I have to say, Liam, how much I enjoyed his honesty there. And when you're a player in the locker room and the manager's standing up there and you look after a game like that, and sometimes what you don't want to hear him say is, oh, we're a bit unlucky today, we played really well, and you look to your teammates as if to say, what are you on? He said today perfectly, Manchester United were better. They wanted to try and improve their play in the first half. They weren't able to do that. He's outcoached Mikel Arteta in the win against Arsenal. He outcoached Brendan Rodgers in the draw against Leicester. He wasn't allowed to outcoach Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because Manchester United was so much better than Brighton today in terms of individual ability and quality as a team. So you don't worry about today. You kind of crumple it up, you throw it out. But going forward, concerns? Uh, no. I, I, I honestly think they could stay up without getting another point. I, I, the, <laughs> if you look at how poorly the teams are playing mm. below them, two teams getting six points, um, there, there, there are sides that don't look any, anywhere as inspired, anywhere as well-coached, anywhere as capable as, mm. as Grand Potter's side. And I also think... I, I, I think these clubs make a mistake sometimes, and they won't be able to count on that, of waiting to the last game. And then that's one game to stay up. I, I don't know. It's tough without the fans. I would say they know. If they beat Norwich, it's mm. over. They're mm. better than Norwich. I, I would look at that game, and I would as a manager. Now you can because it's the next game. Mm -hmm. Say, this is us yeah. staying in the Premier League, winning this match. Last season, they stayed up in the Premier League, 17th spot with 36 points. And an incredible goalie save. I mean, yeah. the, 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 it was like down to the inch. Yeah. And it's like, win this game. 36 points and will keep a... them up this year. Yeah. I still think the idea of a pep talk that focuses solely on the idea, we have six matches left, we don't have to get anything. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, Just yeah. look that, at the guys that, that, That's not a pep We're talk. Fine. <laughs> that's why I wouldn't be a manager. <laughs> yeah. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Leicester, since the restart, can't seem to find the form. Norwich, for them, relegation at this point seems inevitable. And how about Bournemouth had a chance to move out of the drop zone, instead crushed by Newcastle today. We welcome you back into the studio, Liam McHugh, Kyle Martino, and Robbie Earl. Mm. Three games already done. Yeah. Big takeaway? Shocked at the result at Bournemouth. More shocked that every time a goal went in, in the, the camera pan to Eddie Howe, he didn't look like he knew what he was doing, what he wanted his team to do. If I'm a player looking across and, 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 and I see a manager with a blank face, almost looking defeatist, that worries me as, as, as a teammate. They haven't even started Project Restart yet. It's, I look at Bournemouth and the West Ham situation, and we'll see them in a little bit, we've talked about, and, and it, it's not acceptable but understandable. Th- this is completely unacceptable. And Eddie Howe has been there for so long, it's got to it's gotta crush him, and I think he's probably hiding a lot of emotion to watch players that have fought so hard for him, to watch a team that's played so well at times, almost resigned to, to believe they're not going to get anything out of a game against Newcastle that hasn't steamrolled a team in a really long time. Yeah, Bournemouth, 19th. And then you look at what's ahead after this. Today was crucial. Both of you had said that. They need to get some kind of a result. It's Manchester United away, home against Spurs, and then home against Leicester City, and then at Man City before finishing up against Southampton and Everton. Going to get the thoughts of Steve Cook, but first, let's hear from Eddie Howe. Well, Eddie, as a manager, often you'll look for positives, but are they hard to find this evening? I think with the scoreline, yeah, they're hard to find. I can't um, sugarcoat um, the score today in a massive game for us. We've lost 4-1. Um, the scoreline says says so much. Um, I think the early goal again here, that's twice now, Crystal Palace in this game with the early goal, I think has really rocked us. But as football, it happens and uh, the reaction wasn't what we wanted it to be. Um, I thought you saw a team that was giving its all, but probably playing under the burden of the, the situation. And that's, that's something we got to clear very quickly. Was, was it the reaction of a team that's completely lost its confidence? I think there's an element of that, of course, because we've got good players here and um, players that care about the club and the situation that we're in. So it's certainly not a case of a lack of effort or a lack of determination to put things right. But we're in a rut in a sense of the momentum is is not there. I just hope the goal at the end um, can give us something to 
uh, cling to in a sense that a change of fortunes because that's what we need very quickly. Steve, my understanding is there's been something of an inquest in the Bournemouth dressing room. Obviously some of it has to stay in there but what can you tell us about what's been said? Well, I think it's pretty uh, obvious because today it was embarrassing, you know. Four minutes in, we're 1-0 down uh, in a must-win game and we, we capitulated. We lost 4-1 at home to a to a team that looked a million miles away from, from where we were at. Confidence, um, sky high, and today we were... It was embarrassing from myself and, and the whole of the team. So, um, yeah, uh, an inquest, but we can't be... We've got six games left. We, we, we have to try and produce something, um, and that's what we were talking about in there today. That's a finish, that's a celebration, and that's a bit of relief for West Ham as they're three points clear of the drop. And you look at their remaining fixtures at Newcastle, home against Burnley, at Norwich, home against Watford, then away at Manchester United before finishing up at home against Aston Villa. Let's head back to London Stadium, here from Mikel Antonio. Mikel, it was action-packed, it was incident-packed. Can you put into words the manner of that victory and what it means? Oh, it, it, it is massive. Like, I just, oh, man, I'm, there's been so many games I'm blown inside. <laughs> you deserve to be, you've worked your socks off. There's just so many games where we've been just so close and, and like, today managed to get a goal, go underneath, get to move, taken away from us, go 1-0 down, managed to get bring it back, goes 2-2 two, two, and then get the winner in the end. It's just like... It shows the grit that we've got, shows the belief that we've got, and just shows that we're not going to give up, we're going to keep fighting until the end. And the key there, you say that resilience, not feeling sorry for yourselves when that goal was taken away under VR after what's happened recently. Like, just so... Oh, I, I, I really dislike VR. <laughs> I really dislike it. It's, like, it's just this season, so many things have just not gone our way, and then it's gone against us so many times, but today it didn't stop us. We just kept going and get the victory. What was it like for you tonight? Because you had to cover so much ground, spot opportunities. It was, it was hard. Like, obviously, there was times where they keep the ball so well, they play unbelievable football, and they pin us in. When they lose it, they press us straight away, so I've got to get on loose balls and just try, got to try and keep it for the team. And it was very hard, but we showed the grit that we got, showed the fight that we got, and the determination that we got, and we're going to keep going until the end and make sure that we're safe. Having said that, you're in a relegation scrap. The winning goal was a goal of great quality, wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. Yarmolenko's got that to abundance. Like, you've seen it over the seasons. That When he cuts into his left foot, it's going into the far corner. He always does it, and it's, it's difficult to stop. Um, and like it shows the squad that we have, and it shows that we shouldn't be in the situation that we are. But we are. I mean, to get, get ourselves out of it. As well as the points it gives you, what else does tonight give you? It gives us that confidence, gives us that belief. Not the fact that we've won the game, it's the fact that we went down. We've got a goal taken away from us and we've managed to get back in. And like Chelsea's a quality team, they're, showing, they're fighting for Champions League, the squad that they have and everything they have. So if we can do it against them, we can do it against anybody. You can probably smile about it now, but were you asking Martin Atkinson why the goal was potentially being ruled? Are you any the wiser as to why you were ruled out? Why it was ruled out? I don't really understand because. Um, Kovacic Kovacic um, he's flicked the ball and then I've, I've gone for it so I don't really understand but as I understand is... it it was ruled out because you were in the line of the goalkeeper's position and your head was in an offside position 
But you can laugh about it now. Yeah, I'll see we've won the game. It doesn't matter. We, we move on to the next game and hopefully I get more goals and we get more situations like uh, Obviously, no more situations like that. Just more goals and more victories, more three points. As we keep going. Fabulous stuff. Well played tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed that interview almost as much as I enjoyed the game. I was just Did about right? to say, we've been yeah. doing this job for a long yeah. time. Yeah. That was probably the most enjoyable interview. Give that man a TV watched. show. Exactly. Oh. It was raw. It was real. He Correct. sums up how West mm. Ham fans are feeling, sums up pretty much how the rest of us sometimes feel about mm. VAR. But talk about fight. Mm. you surprised by the fight in this team today? I'm shocked, honestly. That, that was, that's the most shocking result of the restart based on the form of these two teams coming in. And, and we say, and we enjoyed that incredible interview from a charismatic guy. His performance on the field w- was even better. I, mm. I can't believe how hard he fought to bring them out of difficult moments, to hold the ball, to transition them alone up there many times. Mm. There, there was a belief, there was a togetherness. It wasn't just Declan Rice today. It wasn't just one or two players. There was a unity. And then there was a star that stepped up. And we have, you know, Yarmolenko comes on. He has that quality. But, you know, Felipe Anderson left on the bench. There's a lot of stars that haven't shown that their enormous salary they're getting and the quality that they had before they got there is enough to be out there. They need fighters. And there were a lot of fighters out there today for West Ham. Today it showed me that there's hope for the Hammers. And sometimes you win a game, Liam, and you get three points and you're happy. But sometimes you win a game and you get three points plus. Mm-hmm. And that was a three points plus win for West Ham today because that dressing room will be alive, will be spirited, will be noisy, will have banter. You can see Mikel Antonio, what, what he brings to the team and, and his personality. And Robbie Musto has one of his favourite words, is durable. They were durable today. They had disappointments. They came back from it. They, they were, had a lead. They were pegged back. They still, in the last minutes of, of the game, found a way to win a match. I've always said that David Moyes in this club don't necessarily seem a good fit today. They came together and, as you can see now, gives them hope that they can get and out of And they've got to keep that. Yeah. The, the fight's not over. I mean, they, they've got work to do. Weeks from now, when West Ham look back, it just might be a late transition goal that saved their season and helped them avoid the drop. Eventually, the ball up to Andre Yarmolenko. He smashes it home in the 89th minute. Let's hear from David Moyes. David, credit where credit's due. Yarmolenko was a game-changing substitution. But when you sent him on, how much in your mind was helping out defensively as opposed to... Uh, well, I know that he can score. He's got a good record of scoring. We see it in training every day, so he's capable of that. Uh, Jared had done his part as well. He'd made a goal earlier, so I just felt it was the time was right to, to make a change there. And obviously, we were, we, were, we were up against it at that time against Chelsea at 2-2. But uh, the players stuck at it and, and got a good result. How would you sum up tonight and the way the game panned out? <laughs> Well, I think, again, you know, the VAR stuff, you know, I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to lose complete faith with it. You know, what was on last time, and I don't, want to, I don't want to whinge about decisions, I'm trying not to, but that's what I'm doing now. You know, I'm beginning to think, I've not seen it again, but everybody seems to tell me that they, they think it should have stood to go. You can, though, look on the positives. Not only did you win tonight, when teams around you were beaten as well, and last night too. So it's a huge night for the club, surely. Yeah, ultimately, you know, we'd be lying if we said that we weren't looking. We'll all be looking at the results. Of course we are. Uh, but I think the, more, the biggest thing for me is I hadn't thought that we had been as bad as the results had suggested. We'd lost 2-0 in both games. I'd, I'd said that, you know, I thought the teams were played had played well. We'd made a couple of mistakes, missed a couple of chances. Tonight, we took most of the chances. Mickey Antonio missed a good chance uh, before it to go 1-0 up and win the chance. But obviously, Chelsea, you know, with the, the way their team is and how many good players, they, they made a number of chances as well. 
interesting commentary, Gary Neville said, great credit to your side as well, that after the disappointment of the VAR goal being disallowed, the manner of it, the fact it took three and a half minutes, you didn't feel sorry for yourselves. Well, I did. When I was doing it, I was, I was, I was spewing. I was thinking, you know, are we going to ever get a decision here? I felt as if everything was going against us. We've, you know, I said a few times, you know, I think some of the, the, the things that have gone against West Ham recently has been, has been really poor, and, you know, and I can't explain it. But we did say to the players we had to change our luck because we've got to think that, you know, the luck will change and... It maybe went our way tonight a little bit. We we pushed hard. We've done a lot of good things. The players deserve a, a massive amount of credit because they're they're sticking to it and they're really doing the job. You got a goal, of course, but what would you say about Mikel Antonio's overall performance tonight? Well, Mickey Mickey can change at different times, but he's to play on his own and what we ask him to do is it's a mammoth mammoth job. We've not got Seb Howard at the moment. Uh, we hope to have him back shortly. We don't have him, but. I think it would have been hard to play with, with Nestle two up top against Chelsea anyway. I think even the, the good teams find that hard, you know, because they're always going to cause you problems with the switch to play really, really well. We saw it against Man City the other week there, other night there. So uh, I just think that we've done a good job. We were well organised, which we have to be to, to get a result against the better teams. And uh, thankfully we've, we've got the three points. How important is it that you use this as a springboard? Well, it doesn't mean anything really, does it? You know, I think, does it get us to 30 points tonight? So I think the next target is just, it's got to start with a four, isn't it? If you get a, a 40, then you'll be safe in the Premier League. I'm sure we will be. Uh, so we've still got to aim to get to that points t uh, tally. Obviously, that means winning probably another three games somewhere along the road. So we've got to try and do that. Well, it was a good start tonight. Well, it was done, a good David. start. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Chelsea concede a late goal, lose to West Ham at London Stadium. We've been waiting for it, and now here it is. Let's hear from Frank Lampard. Frank, obviously not what you were looking for, but what are your thoughts on the defeat and the manner of it? Um, I've had a story about season because it's been a good season, but there have been so many of these moments. I explained it clearly to the players before we go and have a good restart, three good results, opportunity today to go third. Um, but you have to do every part of the game to get results in games like this. You can dominate possession, which we did most of the game. Um, but if there are moments where you switch off, if you go 1-0 up and then make two or three errors towards them scoring a goal to go 1-1 just for half-time, you're going to encourage teams on. And it's been there. I'm, I'm very aware of it. But the players at those moments have to show an extra mentality, an extra bit to, to do the bits that, that see a game through like this. When, you're, when you have a lot of domination... As well as making you angry, does it also frustrate you? Because when we spoke before the game, you sounded a note, of course, and you said the Premier League has a habit of biting you unless you are at it 100% all the time. Yeah, and I get to see the group as closely as anybody because it's my job. Um, and I've seen us play great games, um, but then I've seen us have moments, like I keep saying, where there have been opportunities around us to, to, um, to capitalise on a situation, close a gap, jump a team. And that's the difference for us at the minute. And... Uh, that shows how much work we've got to do. Is it a mentality? Is it a finishing? Or is it an overall thing? There's without a doubt a good group of lads and players in there. But when you, when you analyse and see uh, a lack of consistency, and when you say we can play really well, Manchester City, fantastic discipline, work rate, um, lots of good things, and then this year we can feel a game like this coming. So, again, shows the work we need to do. Could you have done better for the winning goal? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
Um, at that point, only you, well, so you feel like we're the team that's going to win the game. We're, we're dominating, but you always know that with Antonio, he can stick. Uh, and if we're going to open up to try and uh, score that winning goal, we have to be ready to run the other way and defend um, and defend better. Yeah, we could. As the manager, what do you do now after this? Do you deliver home truths, or how do you deal with? Yeah, listen. I mean, we're we're two points ahead of Manchester United. We've been playing fantastic on a great run and beating us twice and we're two points clear of them. Wolves are having a great season. They're two points behind us. We're one point behind Leicester. We've had a great season. So there's perspective and uh, um, we're upset because we come and we want to win the game because we're a team and we're footballers and we know we're in a decent position. So there's no point in... Um, in me being down, but I can't help but say the truth today. It's a game we should win coming here tonight. Frank, thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Chelsea squander an opportunity to go third, and here's what's remaining for them in this season. And I direct your attention to the final two matches there at Liverpool and then home against Wolves. Wolves, of course, just two points back right now of Chelsea. These teams all chasing Champions League spots. Heard from Frank Lampard. We talked about the standard he was setting over the mm. weekend mm. and how he was hard on his team, even in a win. What would you take away from what he said here? That he's disappointed they've not got third place, that they've had a chance to put a gap between um, Manchester United and Wolves. But he's more disappointed with what he saw on the pitch and the consistency of the players. And he's mentioned it a number of times. And it's almost like he said, you can feel it coming. And what he means by that is he talked about them being a good group. But sometimes a good group can be almost too nice not challenging enough. And by that, I mean that when they're attacking late on to try and score the winning goal, you need either one individual in your team, and that used to be like a John Terry, or you need a team mentality that say, yes, we're going forward, but we've got to be, be careful of what we might leave behind. And at the moment, he's saying he hasn't got that in his team. And to have that, to be winners, that's the kind of thing you've got to do where you challenge your, your teammate, not just be nice and patting them on the back. Well, the and think about the players in the sides that he was in mm. that, that did that. And that's got to be the tough part is you can't just buy that. You can't create that. And the youth that he has, that's where he's talking about characters. It's not about bad characters or people that don't want to perform and, and put everything in there. In a way, when juxtaposed to how good they were against Manchester City, mm. it's, it's when they dominate that the, real, the problem comes because they, they switch off. There's this false sense of, man, we've, we've, we've got this team where we want them, we're all over them, we're dominating, we're, we're, we're creating chances, and then it's just a casual kind of switch off of not thinking what could go wrong mm. here. Mm. And Rudiger and Christensen, you know, he held back. He, he could have called some people out. And that was the first time I saw him reserve, but he looked absolutely yeah. furious. Mm. And he'll get it right. I mean, he's, he knows there's a lot of work to be done, but he did put in context. They're having an excellent season. There's just work he needs to do to get them to that next level. Sheffield United up to seventh, as I said. They are five points behind Wolves, but they're in seventh spot. Tottenham right now in ninth. Let's start, first of all, Carl, with Sheffield United, shall we? Because, boy, did they need that after a really bad project restart so far. It had so many of the ingredients that that shocked us at the beginning. And, and for those of us that watched them in the championship and wanted to see the overlapping center backs and the, the ambition of their play, we saw it all season long, and it's why they are where they are on the table. And, and it almost looked like they lost their mojo in Project Restart. But what an excellent performance that should give them some momentum moving forward. Jose Mourinho's time at Spurs has very much been one step forward, two back. Mm -hmm. And it feels like that's, again, even though the VAR decision he'll be unhappy at, it was the right decision was, by the letter uh, of the law. And, and other than that, I mean, just, just shocking defensively. And Jose has enough time now, and, he's, and it, the back four seems fairly settled in the players that he's playing there. For them not... I mean, it's, it's amazing they're not improving. Before that, the attacking football was 
was not creative, it wasn't lively. In a situation where he said before the game, I'm very happy. I've got good players to work with. I've got a very strong bench. Mm -hmm. I've got great options off the bench. And yet that result is a real hard one to take. And it's like, wow, you and Great Fell had all the time off. Mm -hmm. You've got pretty much the players that you want right now. And that's the result. Let's take a listen, shall we, from a couple of the key sections in two different interviews of the Spurs manager, Jose Mourinho. Well, Jose, I think it's clear what the, the major talking point is for you. You went behind. It looked like you'd equalised more or less straight away. How hard done by do you feel that that goal was then chalked off? I don't want... I, I would like to, but I can't say what I, what I think. I would be... I'd be in trouble. I'd be suspended. I don't want to be. Can I draw you a little bit, though, on whether you feel it's VAR or it's that handball, the attacking handball don't ask rule? Me. I cannot say what, uh, what I think. I would like to say, but I cannot say. Have you spoken to the referee? Which one? The one here. The Who's one coming? here is not the referee. The referee is hidden in some office at I think St. George's Park, uh, I think he's there. He's the, the referee is there. This man on the pitch is not the referee. He doesn't make the, doesn't make the decisions. The main decisions of football now are made by the man in the, in the office. So I don't speak with the, with the assistant referee that today was with the whistle on the pitch. So speaking generally then, not just about that incident, the problem is that football matches are now being refereed from back in London and not from the guy in the middle. That's how you feel. That's not how I feel. That's the reality. I'm not telling anything that we football people, we, uh, we know. Um, the linesman makes a, a decision, but of course technology made the decision in... Uh, in the office where they where they are, the decisions on on penalties, the decisions on end balls, on free kicks, everything is not made by the referee on the pitch. The referee on the pitch uh, is not a referee. But, but isn't it right, Jose, that tonight, with that incident, Michael Oliver can only come to the decision that he has because of the rules? Would you not agree with that? I don't want to speak, especially, especially about Michael Oliver. Especially about him, I don't want to. I don't want to speak. Why especially him? I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak. I want to be. I want to be on the bench in the next uh, in the next game. I don't want to to be involved in any in any process. So let's move. Let's move in another. In another direction. The goal that was disallowed, Harry Kane's, that came about a minute and a half after Sheffield United had scored. Um, how upsetting was it to see that disallowed? Could you believe it? Yeah. In this moment, the way football is, yes, I can believe it. And that is because you know those kind of decisions go to forensic evidence with VAR and they see something that maybe, well, certainly the referee here doesn't see. Mm, I think that's an insult for forensic because forensic around the world, they do an incredible a job to find incredible things for the good of society. 
and uh, that's not forensic at all, at all. That's a lack of respect to the people that works very seriously on, at forensic level. So how angry does it make you then, Jose? I mean, you could see the expressions on the, on the players' faces. Harry Kane thought he'd scored, beautifully taken goal. It looked as well as though the referee might have blown for a free kick to you in the build-up to it. I think that moment is game over. Um, I think in, in the second half my players were not mentally strong enough to cope with, um, with that disappointment and they have to be. So I'm not just going to, to say that uh, that goal uh, is the, the cause of everything because that would be very easy for me to do that because everybody saw what happened, but I don't want to go in that direction. I have to say that mentally we were not strong enough. Uh, in the second half, we, we, we tried, but we didn't try with that conviction, with that real desire, with that belief that we would, uh, we would change the game. And we still had 45 minutes to change the game. We'll talk mentality and defence in just a moment, but Kyle, what he said about these days, the major decisions are being made in an office in London somewhere. Um, do you understand his frustration? Yeah, we've had that same frustration and, you know, our job isn't on the line or games aren't won or lost on these tight calls. We've had frustration and then far hasn't been great sometimes, you know, and, and it needs to be better. They've had enough time because it's one of the last leagues to implement it. We all agreed, and maybe Jose, we need to go back to see if he did, that it improves the game to get these big calls wrong. If he thought they, they got this wrong and it wasn't an actual handball, that's one thing. To say, I saw the video, I don't think it was a handball. Mm -hmm. But to, to throw VAR and Michael Oliver personally into this speculation that they're intentionally trying to undermine him or, or stop him from winning games or give bad calls to them is, is, is I mean, it's kind of delusional. Rob, it was interesting to hear him say that it was the end of the game and it shouldn't have been. My players were not strong enough to come back from that. That's a big thing to say about your mm -hmm. team. And I know you're desperate as well to address the terrible defending. Yeah, I, I think um, Jose's teams have always had an incredibly strong foundation defensively. What we see from Spurs today, some of the attacking-wise, is kind of normal. It doesn't always look good under Mourinho, but it's, it can always go back on a solid defence and then find ways to get goals later on. When he hasn't got that solid defence, that's a massive problem for him. I would expect almost maybe a whole new back four to come in to give him the foundation he needs to do his work. He isn't a guy that's going to coach a team to score four and you score three because he's never been that guy. So if he hasn't got that foundation and can trust his defenders, then it's not going to work at Spurs. But he literally just said this week, I've got everything I need. We don't have to spend yeah. big. And, and, and Mr. Levy, you know, I, I like these, these players. He yeah. just said that. Might well change his mind though, <laughs> after that game at Bramall Lane. How do we balance the fact that Liverpool players are just human? They've probably partied a lot the last seven days. They've won the title. Mm. But also, it was quite disappointing. Of course it's disappointing. You know, we, we want to see Liverpool go on and break records and be that team that, that could be called the best ever. Um, but I'm not surprised. I, I think we, what we've learned is that if this is a strong Liverpool team, if they don't approach a game against Man City with intensity, which is their key element of their, what makes them a great team, then it's so, so much less effective. And that's what we saw tonight. I mean, it's just, it's just not the same Liverpool team that we'd normally expect to see. I'm disappointed. I kind of understand it. It seemed like whoever got ahead at the start, the other team probably weren't going to be that bothered about coming back into it. Mm. It went to Man City. They were brilliant as we, we know they can be, given some time and some space and some runners going forward. Liverpool 
uh, fullbacks getting forward. So an open game against Man City when you're not intense is going to be a problem. How bothered will Jurgen Klopp be? I think he'll be bothered. He was, he was almost prescient, and his praise for Manchester City before foreshadowed what can happen if you don't show up and you're not switched on. He was talking about how they can play around you, how good they are with the ball. If you don't bring the intensity, how easily they can break through the lines. And his team started well. It was really the, the first goal that completely flipped the match, and that's where you begin to understand a few things. You know, I think the lack of fans doesn't really affect Manchester City as much. There's, there's a real routine about what they do and patterns of play, and it's about perfecting that. I think the lack of fans in this scenario, even away fans that, that, that pump Liverpool up, obviously the scenario of already winning the title. There's a lot of things that I think Jurgen Klopp will sort of not forgive the group, but, but would use this to remind them we can't switch off. We have to know next season, if we ever do this against Manchester City, they can do this to us. Here is the Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen, you said before the game we prepared as well as we can. We won't know until it starts how it will turn out. What did you make of it and the way the game panned out? I think I, I understood your question in that manner that you were not sure how much it means to us, this game, or how much we are... Not sure. what, what did you mean by the question when you asked about preparation? Pre-match, you said. Like, I know, I know. We're, we're all human beings. Exactly. We won't, we won't but know. But that was more... Funny. I understood it like attitude-wise. Are we really... Is, it, is the game important to us? How will we go? And I saw a brilliant attitude. I saw boys who were fighting with all they have. We, did, we didn't behave like somebody who became... Um, um, chairman a week ago, so like it's not important. So we, that was all good. We lacked fluidity, flu, fluidity, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, that's for sure. Um, and in some situations, 50-50 they were just they were quicker than us in mind. That's that's true as well. That's what they use. Then the pitch becomes big immediately. So first goal, we leave Joe. Um, felt like five minutes alone in a challenge with with um, with Sterling. Um, there, needed, there must be a second player. I think before the second goal we lose the ball, the third goal could have been a... which makes no sense, but can happen. But just against City, you have then massive problems. Um, they used their chances, not all, but a lot, and, and we didn't. So if City was a 100% deserved win, of course, today, but a, like a 5-3 or something like that, I, I would have would have been possible as well. So it doesn't make the, result, the, the things better. But now it's a 4-0, and um, we have to take that, and we do that, and that's it. At 0-0, did you have decent chances yourself? You ask me? Why you ask me if we had decent chances? No, do you think you had decent chances at 0-0? We had moments, we had moments. But you watch a game completely calm, why you ask me if we had decent chances? It makes no sense, this question. If you have decent chances, ask me about them. So we had chances, we were in situations. Sadio Mane was in a box, we didn't use them, that's true. We were, maybe they were not clear enough in moments and stuff like that, but we had moments where we could have scored, and we didn't. So it was the, the situation with um, Ederson. It's a good moment for us. The goalie comes out, takes full risk, is lucky in this situation. So maybe and um, these kind of things, we had them, but for sure not exactly as often enough. And how always in football, if you don't score, it's difficult to mention chances, obviously, because then everybody forgets them immediately. Even I forget them, obviously, and that's uh, the situation. But it's all OK. It's not nice. It's not what we wanted. But I wanted to see that we, that we have really the right attitude. And I saw that, and for that I'm fine. And the result we have to take. In any way, do you have to put it in perspective at all? The fact that, as we said before the game, you saw the attitude you want, you saw the things you wanted, but you've just won the title. Do you have to apply perspective at all? Sorry? Do you have to apply perspective at all? What does that mean? I don't understand the English now, sorry. What does it mean? 
do we have to? In terms of perspective, in, you've just won the title. You said they were quicker in certain areas yourself. You were happy with the attitude of your players tonight. If you want to lead this story in a direction that we were not here with our, with our, that we were not focused on that game, then do it. So that's you ask a second time now. When I speak about attitude, I like my, I like my team how they, how they set up. I said that, and I thought it's clear. If you go again with that, we have to. I think we proved that point, and we proved as well that City is an unbelievable good team. So isn't it nice that in this league uh, another team can be champion, even when City is around and plays this kind of football, is able to play this kind of football? That's that's a, a surprise as well. I was about to say you also have to give credit for how well City played tonight. Ah, I forgot that. Maybe sorry. Yes, I said it. I said it. City is outstanding. I said that. I have absolutely give credit. By the way, I do that always, because they are incredible. I saw City's season. I didn't see a bad game. Honestly, even when they lost, they still played really good football. But in the end, um, the situation is like it is. Fairly awkward exchange. Don't often see Jurgen Klopp mm. quite as frustrated as we saw him there. What did you make of that, Carl? I'd be frustrated too. I, I honestly think the questions, some of them didn't make sense and were sort of forcing him to admit something he didn't want to admit. And um, it's, it's acceptable. It is. And it won't be to Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp would be mad if he lost a backyard game, right? It's understandable, maybe not acceptable, but understandable that they weren't sharp today. They, they didn't look themselves in transition moments. They did have good chances at the beginning of the game. And we said, and, and Lee was saying it in the commentary, before the first goal, they were edging the game a little bit. Um, that had to sting. You know, he wants to continue to prove. And by the way, he always shows Manchester City an incredible amount of respect. They maybe showed them a bit too much at times today. But I, I would have been frustrated with that kind of line of questioning too. He was happy with the attitude. Would you agree with that? No, I wouldn't. And, and that's where I, I... You could understand the frustration. He looked a little embarrassed about it because we've given him so much great, you know, mm. comments about his team. I think he's a little embarrassed. And I just... OK, if the attitude was right, can you have the right attitude but don't bring your normal fire, your intensity, the midfield players of Henderson and Wijnaldum and Fabinho? And it just it wasn't the normal Liverpool. Um, but I suppose he's going to protect his team. Frustrating, weird kind of interview. But the attitude wasn't quite right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.